We're in the fourth week of our series on identity. Is it cool off in here? Y'all doing better? All right. We're in the fourth week of our series on identity, and I am loving this. Man, I'm loving this thing. I'm I'm excited about it. I always get excited when I get to, to speak here at the Hills, and I love the fact that I don't have to leave to look forward to speaking. Matter of fact, I don't want to leave. I was just at a conference and I had people invite me to come and I'm just like, I don't know, man. This is going to be tough because I go to the hills. I get to speak at the hills, so I don't know. It's going to be tough for me. Uh, so, um, I, but I always get excited. But man, this series, as I said at the beginning, this is mine and Kristen's life message. If there's any, any message that we know God has called us to, it's this, and that is helping people find who they are in Christ, and encouraging them to walk that out. And that word encourage doesn't always mean you're awesome. The word encourage means to give courage to. And sometimes to give somebody courage, you got to swat them a little bit. You know what I mean? Matter of fact, the Bible says motivate one another to good word. That word motivate comes from the Greek word that means spur. How many of y'all think a horse likes you spurring it? No. Spur one another to good works. And so we know that that's what God has called us to do. It's not always comfortable. It's not always easy. But our, my passion is that every time you walk out of those doors, you feel like that there's something that you can do and you feel like you can do anything that God's called you to do. Because you can. You really can so we, we've been on this series and we started off with a revelation that before you can know who you are, you have to establish who you are not. So we have spent the last three weeks, we're going to do it as continue it this week, on figuring out some things that we are not. You've got to get rid of some mindsets, you've got to change the way you think, you've got to change the way you, uh, the way you discern you got to take the filters off to begin to see what God really wants you to do. Most of us live our life below our level of liberty. Most of us live our life below where God has truly called us to do because we have a misconception of who we are and a misconception of who God is. And so we're going to continue this series. We're going to move it on into May. Are you all okay with that? We're going to move it on into May because this is a part of God getting in our DNA something very special so we can do what we're called to do. Let me recap a couple of things, several things that we've hit the past four weeks, past three weeks. Number one, you are not a mistake. Number two, you are not your own. You have been bought with a price, which means everything that you do, your family, your business, your dreams, your passions, your failures, your mistakes... They don't belong to you. You are not your own. You have been bought with a price. And when he bought you, he bought you as is. Which means he knew the dents and the dings and the scratches. He he knew that you had totaled that thing out. Come on, y'all. When he bought you, he didn't even have to check car facts. He knew it. You were a mess. And for some reason, we think God just wants our talents and our giftings. No, He wants all the mess too. God is good working with mud. Creates an entire human race out of mud. 
And so you are not your own. Those of you that have not been here, I would highly recommend you going to thehillsnashville.com slash listen and you can listen to this series. How many have missed but you've caught up by listening online? It's been amazing. We're hearing reports from people all over the world that are listening to this. They told me, and I said, all over the world? They're like, yeah, there are people in other countries like that are listening to this. And so it's, it's, it's impacting, but you need to get the whole thing. So go back and listen to that. You are not a mistake. You are not your own. We talked about last week, you are not what you do. Those of you that think that hard work is going to make you what God called you to be, you are wrong. Matter of fact, Jeremiah 17 says, the man that trusts in his own strength, in his own talent, is cursed. But the man who trusts in God is blessed. And last week we talked about don't confuse you working hard and something being produced. That is a natural law, a worldly law. We operate by a kingdom law. The law of the world says if you sow, you're going to reap. If you work hard, then you're going to, something's going to be produced from that, right? But the law of the kingdom says if you trust in God, you're going to be blessed. And blessing is different than a dividend from work. Can I get an amen for those that are not taking notes? (laughs) See, now you're going to sell yourself out. I'm not taking notes. Oh, no, he knows I'm not taking notes now. You are not what you do. Last week we talked about you are not what you have done. How many grab hold of that one? Because we become what we've done. And we wear that around. The big R on our chest. The big S on our chest. The big failure. The big F on our chest. Whatever it is, the big M, a mistake. We wear it around because of what we've done. And last week, we found out that He does not see us because of what we have done. That's a good word. And so today, last week, you are not what you have done. This week, you are not what you have not done. Huh? It's a little confusing one, isn't it? Write it down. I am not what I've done, but I'm also not what I have not done. Now I want you to lift your head up and look around at the hands. How many of you right now Live with unfulfilled expectations of yourself. Put them down. We're going to talk about that for a few minutes. Every one of us have things that we have not accomplished that we want to. All of us have dreams and passions and desires. If you're not, then you're not living. You're just getting by. All of us want to do something more, save more money, get promoted, Write that song, get married, have kids, have another kid. I want, to, I want to be an entrepreneur. Whatever it is, we have these things that we want to do. And we feel like that are unfulfilled expectations, either that have been put on us or that we have put on ourselves. And you know, it's okay to have those. It's all right. Because if you don't have those, that means you have no desire to grow. However, the issue happens 
when you begin to look at the unfulfilled expectations and take that on as an identity, when you begin to look at the list of what you have not done and begin to take that on and feel like you're a failure, you haven't done enough, it's quiet because either you're taking notes or that's hitting someone in the trachea right now. It does me. Chris and I sit together and we dream. We get excited about what God's done and we love it. And then all of a sudden, before it's over with, that conversation will shift over to all the things that we got to do. We got to do this. And we start putting the pressure. And some of you have that on you because of what your family put on you and what a spouse has put on you, what church has put on you, what business has put on you, or what you have put on you. I want to talk to us for a few minutes on getting rid of that mindset because it feels like it's unattainable to ever break out of that. Listen to me, because there's always somebody better than you. And if I work hard enough, if I train hard enough, there's still going to be somebody better than you. If I could just get this, there would still be somebody better than you. Man, if I could just get that done, there's going to be somebody prettier than you. I'm going to tell you right now. Somebody with tighter abs than you, okay? Just going to, somebody with a better house than you. Always. So you're always going to have this identity that you're not enough. You can't live up to it. Check this out in Genesis chapter 1. Oh, thank you, Lord. He's going to read some scripture. I thought we were in that kind of church. Just throwing it out. But he's reading from an iPad. That can't be good. I want to hear them pages swish. Just smell it. Genesis 1 verse 26 in the NIV. Well, I knew it. He's reading from the NIV. It's worse now. I'm sorry for those of you who brought guests. I'll try to be nice. All right. Then God said, let us make mankind in our image and our likeness so that they may rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky, over the livestock and all the wild animals and over all the creatures that move along the ground. So God created mankind in his own image. That is incredible. Oh, man, I want to spend some time on that. We don't have it today. He made us in his image. That's enough right there. What I should have done is the first Sunday, I should have said, we're going to be teaching on identity today. He made you in his image. Goodbye, everybody. (laughs) Run along. Soak that up. Chew on that a little while. I mean, that's enough right here, isn't it? He made us in his image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. Verse 28, God blessed them and said to them, Be fruitful, increase in number, fill the earth, subdue it, rule over the fish in the sea, the birds in the sky, over every living creature that moves on the ground. Now look at me. Up until this point, every time God created something, He would stop and He would say, It is good. That's that's good. And I, I may have mentioned to you that this last week, but... Pastor Stovall Weems in um, Jacksonville, Florida. Pastor's an incredible church, and he's a driven man. He's always an evangelist. Go more and more and more. He's just always going for it. So much so that a doctor called him one day, and he said, what are you doing to your staff? 
You know, what are you talking about? He said, I have your assistant in my office right now. She's having heart palpitations and heart issues, panic attacks because of you. Slow down, pastor. And he said it wrecked him and he realized he was always going for more, more, more. Gotta, gotta reach, gotta, 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 gotta. And he was killing himself, killing his family. And he said he saw this scripture one day and he began to study it when God created and he would stop and go, it is good. And he said that word good comes from the word mazel tov, which at the weddings, you have ever been to a Jewish wedding where they throw the glass down and break it and they shout that out. Now people think it means good luck. But in the root word, it meant it's good. And here's what it says. At the bar mitzvah, okay, boy, you ain't perfect, but you're good. This relationship ain't perfect, but today on this wedding we say it is is good. And Pastor Stovall Weems said, you know what? I have found that about once a week, I need to take a Sabbath and say, this stuff ain't perfect, but for today, it's good. I'm going to need to hear that. I got a lot to work on, but it is good. I remember we were first planting the church and we're trying to get a culture of excellence and we try hard for that. We try, we don't want to be perfect. We just want to be excellent and want to honor God in what we do. And I remember us really trying to get that in the culture of the church and we were meeting in that little fellowship hall and we're doing everything we can to try to make it work, weren't we, Leslie? Leslie Arms and Derek were a part of and Jerry, they were a part of how can we make this cinder block look better than it and smell better than it does? And, And I remember us getting frames and we were adjusting them. And one day my mama walked up to me and she said, Baby, at some point you're going to get those frames where they need to go and you're going to stop. And at first I thought, well, mama, I'm working to be excellent. She said, oh, yeah, no, no, I get what you're doing. But at some point, just put them there, take a deep breath. What she was saying is every once in a while I just stop and go, okay, that's good. I wish it was better, but... It's good. Look at your neighbor and say, it's good. So God creates, and everything he creates, he says that. It's good. It's good. It's good. But until this, he creates man, and God saw, verse 31, all that he had made, and he said, get to the end of it, verse 31, and it says, what? It is very good. Look at me. Up until this point, all he's saying is, it's good. It's good. But after man is on the scene, at that point he goes, now this is very good. That word very means abundantly so. Amazing. Out of this world. So God created all of the creatures of the sea, all of the beauty that you see when you walk outside, and that was good. But he made you, and he made me, and when he did that, he goes, now this is very good. Now here's the point of that. Look at me. Adam and Eve had yet to do one thing he created them for. That is really good. What do you tell them? You're going to subdue it. You're going to take over it. You're going to have control. You're going to have dominion. You're going to be fruitful. You're going to multiply. That's what you're going to do. But you haven't done it yet. But still, 
I look at you and I say, this is very good. I want to talk to somebody today that you feel like everything around you, everybody else is doing good, but you're not doing good. I really believe that when God looks at you, even with your unfulfilled expectations, even with your failures, He looks at you and He goes, you know what? You are very good. I wish somebody would receive that this morning. I'll let you finish with your notes and then give that a resounding amen, okay? If we are not saved by works, which we talked last week, you're not what you do. But if we're not saved by works, and I have to say that we are not condemned, shunned, or seen less by our lack of works. Did you get that? I'm not saved by works, which means I cannot do anything in myself to attain the grace that God has given me. I cannot do it. I can't do it. On the other hand, I have not done enough, but He still sees me the same way. His grace comes on strong and tells me so. The grace of God. Jeremiah 1 and 5. Before you were born, I set you apart. This is the scripture we started with. And I appointed you as a prophet to the nations. Listen to me. That means this. You were ordained and appointed before you were even born. And yet you think God looks at you differently because of what you don't do? Look at me. We have guys that walk up to us and go, I want to be ordained in the ministry. You know what I do? Hold up, Nelly. Whoa. Chill out. I want to be in ministry. I don't know you. Why don't you just ordain me? In Austin, that was a big, everybody wanted to be a preacher, so they'd run up to us. I want you to ordain me next Sunday. Oh, okay. Let me just crackerjack that thing, okay? <laughs> Pull it out. Here's your ordination. Run along. Be blessed. No, we don't want to know them. You don't ordain somebody until you know them. Check them out. Background check. We don't let people go back there and teach our kids until we do background checks on them. We don't let people walk on this stage and lead in worship until we know them. We don't know them. You don't just appoint an ambassador to some nation without checking them out. And yet he said, I have appointed you and ordained you to the nations before you were even born. Does that change your mindset of how God sees you? I've not done enough. No, you haven't done enough, but that's the point of grace. (laughs) You'll never do enough. You could set your body on fire for the name of Christ. And the Bible says it wouldn't be enough if there wasn't love attached to it. You cannot do enough. Look at your neighbor and say, you can't do enough. And then say, but you don't have to do enough. Keep looking at them. If you need to put them in, in, just do that right now. Look, say this. He had ordained you and appointed you for your destiny before you took a breath. And you think your identity is tied up in what you have not done. Look at what the Bible talks about the leaders. So many of them that were anointed before they ever did anything they were anointed to do. 
Moses, you're going to lead the people out of Egypt. I can't talk. Really? I, I, don't, I can't. I'm, a lead, I'm not a leader. I'm not, I'm not making fun of speech impediments. Understand that. This is the, he, could, he couldn't talk. He couldn't, it was like Mel Tillis. He could not get it out. I mean, do not know who Mel Tillis is? Probably the same people that knew who George Jones was. <laughs> Google it. You live in Nashville. Or ask John Davis or John Laster, okay? They'll tell you. Mel Tillis could not speak clearly until he sang. That's who Mel was. So I don't know why Moses just didn't start singing. I don't know. I, I can't do it. I, I don't have it in me. doesn't matter. I've anointed you, and that's how I see you. Joseph, I got a dream, but now I'm in a pit, and now I'm in a prison. All Joseph had was a dream. He had not done anything, nothing. He was cocky and conceited. Why do you think they threw him in a pit? You don't throw a nice person in a pit. He showed up. Y'all going to bow down to me. <laughs> oh, yeah? David, anointed to be king and forgotten about. Do you have another one? Oh, oh man, I got another kid. That's right. All of the sons, even the prophet overlooked him. His daddy overlooked him. And even the prophet Samuel, when David shows up, from back on the back side of the, of the, of the handing out, t- taking care of the, I can't talk right now, just pray for me right now. Right? Tending the sheep, there we go. He shows up, he know he doesn't smell good, doesn't look like a king, and as a matter of fact, Samuel says, I don't think this is the one. There's this one down here, he's better looking. He looks like a king. And the Lord goes on the back of Samuel's head. You ever had the Lord do that to you? Just on the back like that. Oh, okay. I'm not looking at the same things you look at, boy. You look on the outside. I'm looking at the heart of this young man. And so before David had ever done one thing, God was looking at him as a king. Abraham, you're going to be the father of nations. Oh, Viagra has not been uh, invented yet. Sorry, Mom. And Dad. (laughs) Do you understand what I'm saying? Let me just make it plain. I'm old. I'm past my prime. I'm past my time. Sarah laughed. There's no way. We can't do this. The father of nations can't even have one. Haven't been trying. Can't. Barren. But God sees her and him at what they were appointed and anointed to do before they had done one thing. Some of you feel that way today. You feel like you're past your prime. You feel like you have passed that point. Man, I just, if I was going to do it, I should have done it by now. I should be married. I should have kids. I should have that better job. I should have fulfilled some of these goals that I have, some of these dreams. Am I speaking to anybody here today besides me? 
I remember when I remember when I was 33, and I remember hearing a guy say, "But everything you're going to accomplish will happen by the time you're 30 years old." Just threw a chair at him. Just chunked that thing like zing. I didn't really, you know that, right? Wanted to though. What? I remember when God started calling us to pastor this church and. I started doing research and I found out that all the other church planners all around the world were like 12 years old. (laughs) How are you doing that without driving? I don't understand. (laughs) And God's calling us to do this. It's not about age. Some of you, it's just experience. You've been beat up. As the old fellow in Texas used to say, man, I feel like I've been rode hard and put up wet. Just tired. I mean, I mean just I, even if God wanted me to, I don't think I could. I don't have the energy. Just want to sleep. Look, you are not past your prime. If God has called you to do something and you're doing everything you know to do to follow His will and be in His, right in His plan, your time is coming. And when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth this son born of this virgin. Everybody say the fullness of time. That means time is pregnant. I can't hang this anymore. And then at that moment, there comes the Savior of the world. Some of you feel like that right now. I don't know if I can handle That's where frustration gets, you know. Kristen had the greatest pregnancy. She was more healthy pregnant than she was when she wasn't pregnant. She was just happy and just ready to go bungee jump and do all kind of stuff. I want to skydive. Let's go. Just, just crazy stuff. But there was a day that I knew, oh, man, when she got overdue, you know, and, and Evan was born at 10 pounds, all right? She weighs 11, so you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> so it's like what happened. Man, it, it got miserable. She was fun and loving until it got down to the end of that thing she was like don't look at me don't touch me see when time gets full you get frustrated it gets uncomfortable you get edgy am I speaking to anybody don't look at me I'll bite your head off but last week we were all cool but I wasn't as big as I am now that's how you feel right now let me speak life to some of you this morning your time is coming Man, I wish I was T.D. Jakes. I'd say, get ready, get ready, get ready, get ready, get ready. Y'all would be like, whoa, come on, I'm ready. I'm ready, I'm ready, I'm ready. Somebody get this this morning. Just pretend that T.D.'s here, okay? Just pretend. Your time is coming. If you don't do something... Stupid. What if at the last minute, I remember her saying, as I'm rolling her in, she goes, I don't know if I can do this. Remember? I I don't know if I can do this. Oh, baby, it's too late now. (laughs) I don't know if I can do this. You start thinking, I just don't know if I can accomplish this thing. What if at that moment, she's like, no, it's done. I'm not doing it. But some of you are right on the brink of greatness. 
But because it's uncomfortable, oh, I can't handle this. I got to back away. I got to. I got to go find another spouse. I got to find another church. I got to. It's uncomfortable. Of course, it's uncomfortable. You're giving birth. We have people show up and go. I love being a part of a life-giving church. Do you know what it takes to give life? Ah! That's what it takes. That's the Greek. As Brian Regan would say, I hope I crystallized that for you. Hope you got that. Well, the Lord's on that right there. I can feel that. Jeremiah, I'm too young. I don't have enough experience. Son, you think you're young now? I pointed you when you were even younger. You and your, your mom and dad ain't thought about you. And I was already appointing you, calling you out. Look at your neighbor and help me preach right now. Look at him, clear your throat. Not the, not the other neighbor. Look at the second choice now. Look at that other one. Because <laughs> you left somebody out a while ago. So look at them and say, Zechariah 4.10 says... Don't despise the day of small things. Because listen to me, some of you, some of you are going to get down the road and God's going to bless and you're going to be doing great things and you're going to long for these days. There will be a day when the hills is doing some of the things that God's called us to do and we're going to look back and go, man, remember we were in the Knoll Center? It was just a few hundred of us, remember that? Kind of miss those days. Enjoy this time. This is the building time. This is when God's working on you. He's getting you ready. Don't be frustrated during this season. Because some of you are saying, I ain't big yet. I don't know what y'all are talking about. I don't even feel like it's begun in me. I don't have any experience. I don't know how I'm going to do it. Don't despise that. Matter of fact, Paul told Timothy, don't let anybody despise your youth. Don't let people despise your youth. Yes, you're young. That's all right. God can still use that. Shepherds came and worshipped Jesus when he was still a baby. Hadn't done one thing. Why are we worshipping this? Why? Hadn't done anything. God, Jesus' baptism, the heavens ripped open. The Spirit of God says, you're my son. I'm pleased with you. And Jesus had yet to perform one miracle. Had not died a cross. And he had an amen or a sneeze, something. He must not be taking notes. He is. All right, I want him on the front row every Sunday. Matter of fact, I want him to teach a seminar on how to take notes and amen at the same time. What's his name? Come on, that's what I'm talking about. Watch it. Better watch out for those Elijahs. They change things. Did you hear what I said? Heaven's ripped open. Heaven says, you're my son. Before Jesus had performed one miracle, before one drop of blood had been shed, your identity is not tied up in what you have not done. 
You have been anointed. You have been appointed. And listen to me. You are as anointed and you are as appointed now as you will be when you're walking in the fullness of what God has called you to do. Unfulfilled potential makes you feel like a failure, even though you haven't even failed yet. How can you feel like a failure before you even tried anything? Listen to me. Unfulfilled. I got this to do, this list. I haven't done that. And you already feel like a failure. You know why? Because accomplishment gives you courage. You do something. Oh, I can do that. That's easy. I can do. I can make that happen. Oh, I was easier than I thought. I can do that. And it gives you courage and it makes your next step. But if you're scared to even try, then you're not going to get that courage. So it's this vicious cycle that never stops. Well, I I would try, but I'm not confident. And so I'm not trying. And because I don't try, I don't get the confidence. That cycle has got to break. That cycle has got to break. How many would like to know how? Because we could just cheerlead and go, woo-woo, I am destined and called and anointed, and just walk out and go, now what? That's kind of how, how we were raised. Some of it came from a spiritual background. We can do anything. Come on, let's go. Take over the world. Walk in abundant life. And you get out and go, now how do, how do we do it? I don't know how you do it. I just know you can. Just run along. Let me give you two points before we close today on how you're going to do this. How do I break that cycle? You're going to have to have faith. You're going to have to have trust. That's not one of the points. I'm just telling you. You're going to have to have faith. You're going to have to have trust. You've got to believe. You've got to believe. Number one, you've got to believe in God's promise on your life. You've got to have more faith than just faith in your talents. And faith in your abilities. If I can work hard enough, if I can get this pumped up and pepped up. No, you cannot do that. Because what's going to happen when you're doing good, but all of a sudden you get sick? God forbid. That accident. That pink slip. Oh, no. What happens then? When all your hard work... At that point, if you've been putting all your faith in what you can do, all your faith is gone because you can't do anything. That's when you've got to have faith in God's promises on your life. God has put promises on your life. There are many of them that are general throughout the Bible, but I believe that God gives every person a personal promise. If you don't know what that is, if you don't know what God has called you to do, we're going to be talking about that over the next several weeks. How to find out. How do I hear God? Jesus had to hear it. He had to hear the heavens rip open and say, You're my son. I'm pleased with you. Had to hear it. If Jesus had to hear it, how much more do we have to hear it? If you have never had that moment that you can go back to and say, that was the day that God told me to do this, you need to have that moment. And I don't think that one moment is enough. I think it's got to be a daily thing. I love what Kristen said last week. I love that she said, you got to stay in His presence so He can continually tell you who you are. Look at me, you are still who God says you are. You can still do what God says you can do. You've got to remind yourself. And if you can't, rem- you need to get in the mirror and say, Hello, honey. How are you doing today? God's called you to great things. 
We're going to do it, me and you and him. And my schizo right now, talking to myself. <laughs> we're going to do this thing. We're, we're going to do this thing. We can do this. Now, there's some days you get up and you don't have enough to even do that, right? Amen. So here's what you do. The Bible says the Holy Spirit itself with groanings and intercessions will remind you that you are a child of God. Yes. Don't you love that? When you get those moments, you're like, I can't do it. Then something in you goes, ooh, come on, I believe you can. Yeah. I believe you can. If you won't do it for you, do it for him. Come on. Those of you that don't know how to tap into that, we want to talk about that over the next several weeks. We're going to start having some hills gatherings that are going to help you know how to tap into that, a spirit-filled life. If you're not being led by the Spirit, if you're not operating in the Spirit, I want you to know there's a part of your life you've never even tapped into. Things that you struggle with, you can't get over, it is probably because you need to get into Him and His presence and let Him remind you who you are. You need to have faith in the promises of God on your life. And secondly, you need to have faith in God. Well, that was kind of a downer. I thought it was going to be something amazing. Is that point two? Just faith in God? Couldn't even said it differently? Because I hear some of you right now saying, it's not that I don't trust God. I don't trust me. How many would say that? I trust God, I don't trust me. Then you know what? You don't trust God. Because he trusts you. I don't trust you to make the right decisions. Well, I decided that I trust you. So you not trusting me to trust you means you don't trust me. So Lord, I don't like me. (laughs) I don't like the things I do, the mistakes I make. I don't like that. But I trust your decision-making good enough to know that you know how to pick them. Let's pray today. I speak Philippians 1 and 6 over this congregation, that we are confident of this very thing, that he who has begun a good work in us is going to complete it. I speak against every lying spirit right now that would tell us that we are not good enough because of what we've done or what we have not done. That is a lie. That is a lie. That is a lie. By thinking that we can do something good enough to be good enough. Forgive us, Lord. Come on, everybody with your eyes closed. This is important. Right now, Lord, we confess that many times we don't even know how to do what we're called to do. But we're trusting in you. Your word says that the steps of good men and women are ordered of the Lord, directed. You would direct our steps and angels would protect our steps. You have promised to direct and protect so we trust you today, Lord. Forgive us of our frustration. Give it all over to you. 